Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week, I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. This season of the Collective Wisdom Podcast is brought to you by Between Tracks Media Productions. Chris Hall Franzkoviak set up Between Tracks with a mission to make the process of setting up and producing a podcast as easy and pain-free as possible. He does all that and more with his super-organized system for file sharing, his tips and advice on everything from which equipment to buy to how to get the best sound quality. The service at Between Tracks is amazingly professional, reasonably priced, and above all, Chris is just a really nice guy to work with. I think it's fair to say that without his help, there wouldn't be a Collective Wisdom podcast. Wisdom, as we all know, is about understanding your own limitations, and mine on the technical side were pretty high. As ever, there's a link in the show notes for his website and contact details. Thanks so much to Chris at betweentracks.com. Hey there, my wise friends, and welcome to episode 25 of the podcast with my beautiful guest, Siobhan Curram, who's not only an author of 39 books, but is also an amazing writing coach. This episode is a little bit longer than usual and is probably one of my favorite conversations so far in the series, because what we're talking about is the creative process and how it feels to break through the resistance and fear that come up when we first start something new. Siobhan is a great storyteller, but as you'll hear, that only comes from consistently showing up and putting in the practice, even when you don't feel like it or your first attempts don't quite work out the way you'd hoped. She also shares a beautiful song that is all about life being made up of single precious moments, which is just so true. Yesterday, my husband came in and even though I was on a call, he asked if I could leave for two minutes and we headed upstairs and out the window was the most beautiful evening sky, all lit up with flaming pinks and oranges. He's been away for most of the year and in that moment, we stood with my daughter just taking it all in. And I think that's what people mean when they say live in the moment. It's all about appreciating the really simple things. And when you slow down enough, you realize that there are just so many of these moments every single day. Siobhan is someone who's become really good at capturing them just by writing them down. I hope you enjoy hearing Siobhan's stories just as much as I did. She also brings her wealth of knowledge about writing to her work both as an editor and as a writing coach, helping other aspiring writers to bring their creativity to the fore with workshops and retreats. I realized when I came to write this intro that Siobhan and I have never actually met in person. Such is the nature of our virtual world nowadays that even meeting on Zoom can feel like a real connection. However, the real reason I feel like I know Siobhan in real life has more to do with the fact that when I read her latest nonfiction book, Something More, A Spiritual Misfit's Search for Meaning, it felt like a refreshing and restorative conversation with a really good friend. Recounting tales from her quest to find more meaning, she shares so much insight and wisdom about her own experiences on this journey we all call life. 
It's full of stories from hilarious to the heartbreaking. And I cried real tears when she describes the last few days with her beloved dog, dog Max, or how touched she was by the new friends who came to find her when she was at her son's bedside when he was seriously ill in hospital. And as well as being deeply moved or laughing along with her, I learned so much about spiritual practices and traditions from around the world as Siobhan explored them all with such compassionate curiosity. That's definitely her gift, being able to write in a way that's not only relatable, but also feels like she's writing to a dear friend. Siobhan's creative lockdown project is a monthly newsletter called Grit, Grace and Gratitude, in which, as she puts it herself, I share practical tools and heartfelt personal anecdotes designed to help you live a life filled with more joy, love, wonder and purpose, even during a global pandemic. <laughs> but I think what I found most inspiring about Siobhan is the story of how she dropped out of university where she was actually studying English literature as she didn't believe at the time that she had what it takes to be a writer. After a series of very ordinary day jobs, she came to the realization that life can be a very dull and dark place when you don't dare to dream. And her path to becoming the great writer that she is began all began from there, slowly and steadily writing her way to where she is today. So Siobhan, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for being here. It's always such a pleasure to get a chance to spend a little bit of time with an author who has definitely opened my eyes and touched my heart um, and changed my life for the better. Oh, thank you so much. That was a lovely intro. I feel <laughs> emotional just <laughs> But I'm so happy that you, you just, that was your experience reading my book, because that's definitely what my intention was. You know, I, I didn't want it to be a dry kind of like textbook style book about spirituality. I wanted it to feel as if I was just chatting to a friend and saying, guess what I found out and then this yeah. happened and then that happened and you know how you do when you sit with a friend and have a cup of tea or a glass of wine and you laugh you cry you you know you yeah, absolutely. Yeah. it so was it was that real that. um round the kitchen table feel it was like yeah and you'd gone off and and done things I mean you'd explored tarot Reiki I love the story about Reiki and the, and you know you actually became a Reiki healer and and how yeah. you could really tap into that just by but staying curious being open to it yeah, yeah I think that's so, it that was my you know because I went from being I was brought up to be a devout atheist you know my parents were both very you know like you're not going to church well no, to be fair they they were kind of like we want you to decide make up your mind when when you're an adult which I think is a great you know that's a really sensible and, and great thing to do but then to be fair they were quite anti-religion when I was growing up so so yeah. I was a very unlikely spiritual person I think that's why I call it a spiritual misfit search, search for meaning because I definitely don't fit into any religion or any category spiritually but yeah it's just being curious and then it, I found so many interesting things and so many helpful things that I, uh, it was a kind of like seven year um, process, you know, just exploring yeah. all these different things. And then I thought I've got to write about this and just share all the things that I found the most helpful with people because I felt like there's so many people like me who are probably very resistant to religion, you know, and and, and anything spiritual, but actually are missing out because there's some really good, great stuff in there that you can kind of cherry pick and use without having to sign up to anything or label yourself as anything. So yeah. Um, yeah. that word cherry pick, that 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 
sums it up basically you know you went through christianity mm. exploring into buddhism and yeah. literally just taking the bits that worked for you yes. taking the things and and then and also highlighting how many parallels there are well, you know, yeah, within those yeah. traditions yeah i was so surprised going as someone who knows or knew nothing about religion um i was so shocked to see how much they had because you see so many you even see religious wars you know so so my assumption was oh well, they must have you know really really different beliefs and then when you boil it all down it, it tends to come down to love and kindness and forgiveness yeah. and you know and these simple things you know are so powerful and it's just such a shame that it's all become muddied with all the stories that have kind of grown around these core beliefs so I think that was another thing I wanted to do is just kind of like strip strip that away and get right to the heart of, of yeah the, to take yeah. it away from that sort of feeling of them and us you're either in Ooh. the tribe or you're not in the tribe kind of thing but yeah. but also to open up that whole conversation around what what it actually means to you so taking yourself as being the center of it and then saying yeah what resonates with me inside yeah. you know that's yeah. and, and this whole idea this notion that ultimately i think you find whether you call it god or the universe or whatever mm. it is that motivation that's that spirit yeah. is always inside you and it's really about opening it up yeah. you know? absolutely and that's so liberating and i think that's the thing a lot of religion in the past has been used as a way of controlling people so religions yeah. have kind of said to people you need to come through us to get to god or, or spirit or whatever you want to call it and um and automatically then there's a power structure and there's a, a divide and i think when i realized that when i realized no anyone can sit in silence sit in stillness and tune into this source of wisdom, a source of peace, a source of love within, without having to go to a priest or, or you know, a, anyone in charge or whatever, you know, that you, you have a direct line, if you like, to yeah. that yeah. inner source of peace and love and wisdom. And, and that's hugely liberating because then when you are going through difficult times, you've got what you need inside, you know, and, and you don't need to go outside to find it. And that that's hugely liberating and empowering when, when you discover that. Yeah, it moves you from that sense of this is happening to me and I have no agency. Yes. To how much I can even just, I mean, I loved, I love, love, love the bits about dance and how much that <laughs> just opened up a sense of freedom for you. Yes. You know, just yeah. Doing these, these sort of um, dance classes and how mm. that, yeah, it's an expression of creativity. Again, it's yeah. another way yeah. of just expressing yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I found, and a way of switching your brain and the chatter in your brain off because you sort of come back into your body and, yeah. and, and then the music's coming through you and it's just a, a form of meditation in a way I find anyway, you know, and yeah. I really get into it and kind of, and just, you know, and I guess back, back in the day, you know, the rave scene and, and, um, but it's the same principle, I think, you know, just getting into your body and kind of, and that's one thing I found it was like, that was sort of as someone who was, you know, kind of grew up during that scene and dabbled in certain things, you know, kind of to, to get that high yeah. and then the realization, oh, <laughs> don't need to take anything to feel that you know and and um and that was uh another real eye-opening moment for me you know that that kind of yeah you can you can experience that feeling of total connection and joy without taking anything drinking anything you know just being in just sort of being in that headspace and uh with the right music so, environment you know so true and 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 i think because you are such a craft gifted writer 
you bring all of that to the fore in this way that's you know slightly self-deprecating you just never take yourself too seriously so <laughs> there's always a sort of element of slight tongue-in-cheek bit of humor just i'm just going to try this and see what happens and yeah open and all it. of it went well i don't know if you remember but the chapter on abundance you know and i went to that uh that spiritual abundance guru or whatever he labeled himself you know i went to this seminar in london it was like a free seminar and it was kind of like how you know it's like a sort of spiritual wealth that was the sort of branding and and yeah. that chapter you know um i mean that was a total farce i felt anyway i thought it was a complete con yeah. um so you know that was the thing i didn't want to write something because i think there's a glut of books where you know and a glut of people now i think who are kind of calling themselves spiritual teachers or spiritual leaders or whatever and and everything's so perfect their instagram's so perfect the stories they tell are so perfect you know and it's kind of like and they another thing that kind of bugs me is the way that they will talk with such conviction you know like you're, you're, you're you know the other day i saw something on instagram this woman you know and, and you know she's really well-meaning and seems lovely you know but she was talking with utter conviction she's kind of saying well everyone has a guardian angel and everyone does this and this is that and I thought, well, how do you know? And I think that was another thing that runs through something more. And I think I say it at the beginning, at the very, certainly in the conclusion, no one knows, like yeah. not a single one of us knows why we're here, how this all came to be, what the real truth of it all is. You know, we're all just guessing and we all, I think as humans and we have insecurities, we need stories, we need something to believe in to kind of make us feel, you know, secure and yeah. and and I get I really get that and I respect everyone's different beliefs I just wish that everyone would preface when they start talking about spirituality or beliefs they would just preface it with in my humble opinion absolutely <laughs> what I have found yes yeah, yeah and then yeah. you know and then there's space also for us to kind of live alongside each other with our different beliefs rather than fighting but i think the trouble happens when people are so fundamental you know and they're like no, this is the truth it's my way yeah. on the highway absolutely yeah, yeah. and this yeah. guy you know he was just to me he was so obviously a charlatan he was up there on stage with he's got gucci clothes you know and, and like his designer watch and obviously dripping in wealth and you know he was charging people thousands and thousands of pounds to to be you know to do his training sessions or whatever you know and i was at this yeah. free seminar but this free seminar was just a way to try and like get you suck you in you know and and um it just annoyed the hell out of me and i walked out in the end because it was so manipulative i felt you know and yeah. and um and it's interesting and that that is the one bit of the book that hasn't stayed with me so maybe just that whole you have communicated that that side which is it gives spirituality a bad name yes. and and you know yeah. it's it's that kind of oh i can i can jump on a bandwagon here and there's money yeah. to be made and yeah. and there's people to be exploited quite frankly yeah. that it's well, really that, yeah this is it i think that whole abundance thing you know because that's another they label it abundance because it doesn't sound as you know it doesn't sound like get rich you know it's like <laughs> You know, it's a softer way, but essentially that's what it's about, you know, and yeah. the thing that bugs me is this whole notion of manifestation. And if you just have a vision board and you stick a picture of a Ferrari on it or whatever, you know, yeah. um, then you will make it happen. And uh, and while I do, you know, I, I mean, I do have a vision board because I like to see, you know, I like a sort of visual representation of how I want my life to look. But then I realise I have to go and then work for that. That's the yeah, dream. It's the work bit, that's the middle yeah. thing. Yeah, it's a, I think, I think 
vision boards and that whole centering your thought process and really focusing your attention is mm. a is a powerful way to bring your whole subconscious on board to say yeah. right this is where this is the direction i'm going which yeah. has kind of been your whole life of writing but yes. don't forget that then action yeah. has to follow that you know there's going to be also action. don't forget that not everyone is fortunate enough to be you know the, the thing i don't like and with this guy he was being quite aggressive about it you know he was saying he basically right okay so just quickly he, he said he, he got us to close our eyes and imagine the person we love the most in the world mm. and then he said right now imagine they come to you and they tell you that they've got a, a potentially fatal illness but there is a cure but that cure will cost five thousand pounds would you be able to hands up who would be able to find that money so i'm thinking of my son and i'm thinking oh god you know like yeah of course i'd find i'd sell my car you know so i put yeah, my hands yeah, up. Yeah. everyone put their hands up and then he said right and he you know he's that whole aggressive you know he said right so you could find five thousand pounds to save a loved one but not to save yourself because the price of his course was five thousand oh god yeah, and yeah, yeah. Thought, oh that you know and there was this guilt thing you know of well clearly you know you don't want it badly enough or you know yeah. and i thought okay so why don't you go out to africa or india or you know one of these places where people you know it's just a struggle where people don't have water you yeah. know um, are you telling me that's their fault I, i'm sorry i just don't buy into that you know and i i feel like that's another aspect of spirituality which i think has been hijacked you know by people who want to make a lot of money yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, yeah, was, yeah. that was the thing in the book you know i definitely i did not want to be seen as one of those people you know i just wanted to be like this is my experience i got curious i'm not a guru i don't know more than anyone else it's just that I got curious and this is what I found out. This helped, this didn't help. Yeah. So, you know, and then encouraging the reader to cherry pick from my book, you know, what's but ultimately, important. you know, curiosity brings with it this openness to question. And and oh. therefore that's that's what it's all about. It's about saying, I am remaining curious, I'm remaining open to this, I'm yes. gonna ask the questions. And I'm yeah. not gonna come yeah. down on a, on a sort of considered decision around it. I will stay yeah. open to that. Yeah. So I mean it's it's yeah. it's so powerful. And it's it's interesting. That's so funny because I'm just in the middle of reading your book, An American in Parents, the novel. Yeah. And those themes, the way you've brought, you know, the way you bring that into fiction mm. and the theme of Sage and how she is kind of being part of that whole manipulative um social media crowd and yes. start off with the best of intentions and then suddenly once you get a yeah. certain number of followers it can be very difficult yeah. to stay true to your values absolutely yeah so and that powerful. was something i think when i because in in that novel you know there are two timelines there's one during the second world war and one during the current day with this social media influencer sage and the reason i chose to feature uh, an influencer in the modern day storyline was when i was researching the war and what people went through in the war and the sacrifices they made and the bravery you know people working undercover for example in in paris yeah. Yeah. my other main character is you know risking their lives every day and yet are completely unheard of you know are unsung here as the war ended they were expected just went back to their normal lives and no one really ever heard about the things they did and then you know and this was a, such an eye-opener to me you know because I, I haven't you know because i hadn't heard of these people either and and then and then I thought, God, and now today, who do we idolize? You know, who, you know, it's, it's the likes of the Kardashians, you know, it's people who 
all they are doing it's like a money making machine it's you know they're they're influencers they influence people to buy <laughs> and yeah. usually it's to buy crap you know it's not stuff we need but we're you know and it, it just is that whole consumerist thing and I thought it's such an interesting contrast between what young people say in their 20s or you know any age during the war were doing but you know I'd show obviously I had like a young two the two main characters that are roughly the same age and and but one is working undercover for the resistance in Paris during the war and one is a social media influencer you know and and that contrast and then seeing her kind of fall from grace and yeah. um you know and and then learn the lessons of this other character during the war I just felt like it, you know I just, I just felt like oh that's a really kind of rich thing to mine you know and, and to just oh, hope, so hope so. you know that the reader would just read it and think oh yeah have we got our priorities a bit out of whack here you know and, and kind of what you know who we are idolizing and and um and just yeah and just about having a, a life with meaning and purpose you know and, and um, the importance of that and i think i think that because you know it's been a long time since certainly in europe we faced anything like the second world war mm -hmm those characters who are back in the in the in the middle of that scenario are really it, it's so much about how they are seeing their their life seeping away you know everything yeah. that they they respect about freedom every, and, and it comes down to just we'll do anything for freedom in the yeah. end it's just you know yeah. not to have that so so yeah, yeah this, this almost like let's just be careful let's just yes. be a bit aware that that's the kind yeah. of path we're treading at the moment Yes, and, and also just to try and say to people, you don't need to have a war to find meaning and purpose in your life, to find a cause, you know, to find um, a way of being kind, you know, like you, you yeah. speak about on the podcast, you know, that, that all of that just if you build a life around some kind of service, you know, and, and um, thank God we're not in a war situation, you know, but we are facing, you know, obviously there are difficult things going on and there are always opportunities, I think, to help others and to build a life of meaning. And that's something I found certainly, you know, that um, when I started as a writer, you know, writing's another example, you know, that, that everything really, but, you know, success is measured in numbers, you know, numbers mm. of books. And so, you know, there's this pressure oh god i've got to sell a certain number of books and um you know i think for me i had which i'm going to talk about later you know the challenge that i overcame um but you know i, I had a bit of an epiphany and and redefined success as a writer so now for me success as a writer is nothing to do with numbers it's about the joy i have in the writing process but then once the book is out, the connections that I make. So having this kind of conversation, yeah, yeah. say how my work has affected you. That to me, it doesn't get better than that. You know, that that is my definition of success. And oh my goodness. You know, if I just do that for one person, job done, you know, and, yeah. and then it takes the pressure off. It's not and about isn't that, isn't that really the purpose of all creativity, all art yeah. is to connect yeah. to sort of Absolutely. share a story that's from inside you and to put that. Yeah. absolutely yeah. yes and i think for anyone listening to this whatever their thing is you know that, that if you can just manage to if if you are you know if if you are feeling you know fear or doubt is kind of gnawing away at you i think um one great way to kind of get escape from that is to to stop making it about you in other words stop worrying about oh what will people think of me will people yeah. judge Will I sell enough? Will I get enough followers? 
and make it about the the arts, make it about the connection, make it about the person on the receiving end, you know. Yeah. So instead of writing something that's coming from your ego and it's kind of, you know, think of your reader. I mean, this is something when I'm coaching writers, I often will say, I was coaching someone just this week and I said to her, right, she's got a book with a really important message that she wants to write. And there was a danger that it could get, you know, her voice could become quite sort of um, formal or, you know, um, and, and I, you know, I said to her, when you're writing, picture your reader sitting next to you, like your target reader, like create almost like an avatar of who that would be um, in terms of age, gender, whatever, profession, backgrounds. And then when you're sitting there writing, imagine you're having a cup of tea with her and you're just talking to her, you know, and write in that that voice but think about her all the time what does she need you know what does and that you know what does she need to read what does she, you know or if you're a musician what what, does, what piece of music you know how is it going to impact your listener you know and, and your audience and that's just a great way of kind of you know getting around the fear and the all the ego stuff that can come in when you're creating yeah, yeah. just make it about them not you you know and, and and then you can have fun with it you can really have fun with it that is such golden advice yeah and and i think it all ties back into this if you can make it that when you're in the middle of that creative process you know whether it's writing a book mm. or poetry or even cooking a meal if you can get to the point where it's pursuit as happiness rather than all yes. fixation with the outcome it's like yeah. i'm enjoying the process of being here imagining yeah. this friend that I'm writing yeah. to and I'm really enjoying the the process of of creating this thing that didn't exist before that yeah. that's yeah. got to be the the, yeah. the the sort of fulfillment that you get from yeah creating. yeah you know just before you start just say to yourself how can I make this fun today yeah, Whatever. yeah, yeah. Oh. you know how can I make this fun and uh I, I you know and don't get me wrong like I need to remind myself of this stuff every single day because I've just started a new novel I'm going through all the usual things of oh god is it good enough and you know and, and have I done enough research and blah, 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 blah. and uh and the other day you know and it was laborious I was trying to type and I was just kind of all I could hear were were voice you know the voice of doom in my head and then <laughs> and then um I remember just thankfully, you know, and I thought, okay, how could I make this fun? And then I just started writing from this character, you know, this character came into the scene and I thought, and I started describing him and, and having fun with him. And before I knew it, I'd written pages, you know, and I'd completely forgotten all the fear. And uh, mm -hmm. and hopefully that scene will feel really alive because that character, I had so much fun with that, creating that character. That um, It's just a little secondary character, but he ended up being, you know, kind of, have a, you know, I thought, oh, I need to make him a bigger part of this book because I enjoyed it so much. And so that's an example really of, of how you can, you can sort of avert the crisis of, you know, becoming yeah. overwhelmed here and you know just have fun with it that's it's reminding so much of there's a book by steve pressfield called the war of art which oh, is all yes. about overcoming yes. resistance and it's just yes. all these ways that you can sort of sneak up on your site itself one of the main ones is just to sit down anyway and mm. i'm not going to let myself off the hook until i've written something even if yeah. today it's not going to be a, a flow day yeah. even if it's not yeah you know, it's that that discipline of just keep Absolutely. coming back to the table Absolutely. but when yeah. you do get there how can you invite yourself to make it not such a oh yeah. god i've got to do this and it's going to yes. be hard. 
Yeah. Another trick, and you know, this probably works across all, all mediums, but when I first started out, I was writing my very first novel and obviously I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, oh yeah, because you wanted me to talk about, yeah, so basically. I know, you kind of well, have, you've got into the whole process <laughs> thing. That's what I love about conversations, just take you that way, you know, right, we'll get there in the end. Right, yeah. right, well, we got there in the end. So yeah, basically what happened was I, um, yeah, I, I grew up on a council estate in London where people tended to leave school at 16, you know, not go into further education or ever. Mm. And I'll be honest with you, I was so unhappy living there for a variety of reasons. Um, that the only reason, I mean, I was, when I was 14, I was bunking off school every week. I'd started taking drugs, I mean, not anything, you know, I'd started smoking dope and drinking yeah. and going clubbing and all that, you know, and, and, and you know, look back now and I think all oh, my life could have gone a very different way. But then I hit a bit of a crisis point at 16 where I just thought, oh, you know, I, I remember one night a gang of guys, they set fire to a car outside, like the back of our house, like outside my bedroom. And I can remember sitting there and it, just in that moment, like watching this car go up in flames and, it, you know, and just living somewhere where there was always this underlying like tension, you know, and bubbling yeah. away bad things happening and um the desire to escape was just so powerful you know and and um and I thought well how can I escape and in my mind the only way was to go to university you know because I thought well then I can you know then I get I can go anywhere you know fly anywhere in the country and so for the next two years in sixth form I just you know I was like someone transformed you know like I, I was just kind of head down I was in the library every Saturday like working 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 so that's what I get new identity yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and I lo always loved books and reading and writing and so it's kind of like yeah I'd love to do that at some point you know and, and so I, that's why I applied to do English literature and, and film studies and um and I did it, you know, I, I got um, the grades I needed. I went off to Liverpool University and I had really good fun there, you know, on the social side. I met some really lovely people. But on my course, I, you know, I, I just remember thinking, and this is back in the day when I think only 10% of people went to uni, right? Yeah, so yeah, the majority of them were from affluent backgrounds, you know, and, and so on, and it seemed particularly so on my course, you know, that, that they were from very affluent backgrounds. And the people on the course who wanted to become, I remember there's a few people that spoke about wanting to become writers. And I remember one holiday, like two of them had managed to get work experience, you know, in the publishing industry through their parents. Mm -hmm. And so my confidence just, just really just shrank and shrank and shrank, you know, when it came to my career, you know, and, and I can remember thinking, I just don't fit in to this world. Yeah. The world of writing, you know, it's just such a middle class world and uh, I don't have any contacts, you know, I just felt completely, you know, sort of at a loss. And so I came home for the summer holiday and got a job in a video store. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> Do you remember video? We still had videos. <laughs> I'm ancient. Uh, I'm showing our age here. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was back amongst, I felt like, oh, I'm back amongst my people, you know, like, and it just felt yeah. really, oh. I, this feeling of, oh, this is where I belong, you know, with people who aren't posh and, um, you know, and I was having fun and, you know, and so I just dropped out of uni. I didn't go back. And then I got a job because then the video shop went bust. And then I got a job working for the complaints department for a very well known frozen food company who are also 
very cheap so they get a lot of complaints <laughs> so that was just like the job from hell because I just had angry people like yelling at me ringing up yelling at me all day oh long and, and I did have to write as part of that job I had to write groveling apology letters so it'd be kind of like, dear sir I'm so sorry you found a cockroach in your ice cream <laughs> <laughs> that's where you learned your skills of acknowledging and validating <laughs> that makes you a great coach <laughs> yeah. but I remember writing these letters and thinking oh my god when I dreamt of being a writer this is not this is not I'm not right. living the dream and so I um, then thankfully I, I became pregnant and um, it was a bit of a surprise and so uh, but then obviously I had to go off on maternity leave and I had time and I'd seen these little courses advertised I don't know if you've seen them in the back of magazines you know sort of become a writer earn thousands you know and, and yeah, uh, yeah. it's like a little correspondence course and so I did that while I was on maternity leave and that was actually in freelance journalism I mean it was a joke it was a total joke of a course um at the end they said you get a press pass <laughs> and um I got this laminated card it looked like you've been laminated in someone's garage you know it was like a real <laughs> homemade <laughs> I never used it, but um, but but it got me on the, you know, and then I thought, okay, right. So what if I approached writing like any other job, like plumbing, you know, if I wanted to be a plumber, obviously I'd go and become an apprentice and I'd work my way up, I'd do my training. So I thought, okay, what if I just do that myself? And so this is what I did. So I started out, I thought, okay, what's the, you know, the first step? So that was writing short stories for, you know, those women's mags you see you know the the weekly ones that kind of have the, you know like the headlines like the day my womb fell out or you know, <laughs> so as as a goldfish <laughs> your job is actually to write really good catchy headlines yeah and then it doesn't matter what you say after that <laughs> they, they do the single coffee break fiction you know so like very short stories and so I started writing them sending them out got a few rejected but then I got a couple published and so that that gave me the confidence then, you know, to, to write a non-fiction article and try a bit of yeah. journalism. And that got me my first non-fiction book deal, self-help book deal. And then once I had that book published, um, you know, and I'm doing all of this while I'm, you know, I'm at home with a baby and I haven't got a clue. I've got no, still no contacts in the publishing world. So, so I love sharing this story because I think it's just proof that I think certain things like write the writing world can become you know this mystical place because all the kind of like the yeah. posh people that run it want it you want you to see it like that you know that it's like their little elite club and they're so special because they're writers or publishers. I mean don't sorry I've got lots of friends who work in publishing but there's this aura around it, it you a know gateway yeah there was a sort yeah. of yeah, yeah absolutely and um I like sharing my story because it was kind of like basically I just picked myself back up and I thought, F it, I'm just going to do it myself and I'm going to, I'm demystified it. You know, I thought, you know, like I said, I thought, right, if I wanted to be a plumber, I wouldn't be kind of like, oh God, I can't be a plumber because I come from you a country. have the creative mind <laughs> to be a plumber. <laughs> enough to be a plumber and it was like it just I don't know it's this light bulb moment it's like it's just another job like anything else and if yeah, you train, yeah. you work hard and train and learn the skills and you can teach yourself I think this is another thing because there are so many super expensive writing courses out there just another bugbear of mine which I want to rectify I'm working now on creating affordable writing courses you know because I just feel like this is just another way of keeping it elitist is if you charge thousands and thousands then who can afford 
afford to do that you know anyway uh so so yeah and then i got you know i wrote my first novel um while my son was asleep at night and you know and i think again i really want to be real about this because i'm aware i'm talking really quickly about this this was really it was really hard i didn't have a clue what i was doing you know i'd start a scene and i think well, when you have a character come into a room, how much, how many words should you spend on describing that room? You know, I, I didn't know anything about how to do it. And I all I, you know, I just take favorite novels off the shelf, look at how those guys do it. Yeah. Look at what I love and what do they do? And then yeah. I can bring yeah. my own little essence yeah, to it. Just absorb it. And, you know, and, and this is it. So it didn't cost me a penny. I didn't spend a penny on any kind of writing course or anything, you know, other than that journal, the journalism one. Um, and, and then, yeah, wrote my first novel. I had many nights where I can remember I was just exhausted, you know, and, and I'd just be, you know, sort of literally crying with exhaustion at the dining table, you know, like, I can't do this. But something kept me going and, and thank God it did. Cause, cause then, yeah, you know, that, you know, I ended up getting my first, book deal for fiction and I got a three book deal with Hodder and Stoughton who are like one of the top publishers in the yeah. UK um and now yeah I've just totted it up um the other day I've written 39 books now 39 yeah <laughs> all of this from that sense of it was always inside you and and look at what you're doing now you are democratizing you're you're taking the barriers that were in front of you yeah. and you're helping break them down you know yeah. even if it's yeah. just in your own head because i mean the yeah. beginning of your story about you know you get to university and and yeah. that's still not enough that reminds me it resonates so much with the the gay hendrick gay gay yeah gay hendrix the the big leap and right. the, the the upper limit we all have our upper limits yes, and that you know life's a bit of a spiral you have to get to that next level and then that only then can you make the leap to yeah, the next bit yeah, and yeah. whatever the for whatever the reasons where we're brought up our, our experiences with as children we just hit these upper limits and mm -hmm. we either self-sabotage you know you, you yeah. dropped out of uni when you didn't need to yeah, yeah. It, it just but what you're saying is just okay, now I want to turn around to the people behind me and say, yeah. it doesn't have to be that way. Just, yes. just come and sign up for one of these courses and you'll really get good value for money. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I know you're someone because, you know, uh, grit, grace and gratitude who brings gratitude into your life. And that to me is always, it goes hand in hand with kindness, really that reflecting on moments that have impacted you and being grateful for them. So what would you say is your story about an act of simple kindness that's that's had an impact on you? Okay, well, this one actually, funny enough, you you brought it up in your uh, the very beginning. It's something I talk about and something more uh, when my son was very ill. And so what had happened was I'd moved to we'd moved to a new part of the UK where I didn't know anyone uh but it was a really positive move it was kind of an adventure as a part of the uk i'd always wanted to live in and i sort of took the opportunity and went for it and so it's only been there i'd say like two or three months and i'd start you know i'd been going out and meeting people and everything and there was one woman called sally who i had um met at a literary event i think it was and we hit it off and so we had gone out for you know a drink um probably a handful of times by the, yeah. the point you know this happened and she was great fun but you know if you think about it obviously yeah i'd only seen her really a handful of times so i wouldn't at that point of course she was a friend in the making if you like you know and yeah, then yeah. Um, um 
and then yeah and then my son got very ill and uh to the point where he needed to go to hospital and it was just this moment this this night that it happened it was a moment of utter panic because it's kind of like shit I don't even know where the local hospital because you know I don't live there live all that long and so it was just this thing of oh my god where do we go you know and and um and so it turned out the local hospital was actually quite a long way away you know and so we got there and um yeah and then we're in A&E and that whole night it was a Friday night in A&E so you know that was like loads of drunk and people just horrible horrible and finally he got seen and I was meant to have been going out I think for a drink with Sally that night so I had had to text her to say oh I've had to bring my son up to hospital yeah and uh so she'd been messaging to say you know is everything okay and and then yeah and then oh gosh I think it was about a midnight when um you know he finally got seen my son got seen it was like right we need to find a bed for him and you know and and um and then I got a text because I can remember thinking oh crap because in the rush to get out you know I, I hadn't I didn't drive I do drive I didn't have a car at that point so it, I you know I was in this hospital miles and miles away from my new home didn't really know the area it's now gone midnight so you know and I think I'd left in the hurry to get out you know I don't know I just remember thinking I don't even know like where to get a cab or you know what to do yeah, you just panic yeah pan- utter panic and panic obviously utter panic about my son so yeah and then I get this message from Sally and uh she said just to let you know I told so she was uh renting a room in a house with this other woman who I'd never met before and she said I told her what's been going on and we've driven up so Sally didn't have a car either but this other woman had offered to drive up to the hospital and she said we're outside A&E and we have chocolate we won't come in you know but if you need us we're here and that you know to this day that just remains like you know the feeling of relief that I felt in that moment you know of you know in one of the most scary moments of my life if not the most scary moment suddenly this woman I barely know and another woman who I don't know at all (laughs) has done this and and just those words we're outside if you need us so it's that thing of you know that that really beautiful form of support you know that that just uh, it's non-intrusive you know but we're here if you need us and I think that's such a great way of being kind in anyone's life to let them know you're always there for them you know and and, um and I'll never forget I think I got so I messaged and I said okay well he's just they're just finding a bed for him now but I'm still I'm going to be here for quite a while yet they were like no problem so I mean it was a freezing cold night and they were just sat out there um you know to the gone one in the morning and yeah I will never ever forget that for as long as I live because it's just and, and I think this is a thing, if you switch it around, you know, if you think to them, because, you know, I remember afterwards and, it, you know, it, it didn't seem like it was any big deal to them, you know, and and I think, yeah, but they, you know, what they did that night has stayed, will stay with me all my life. Yeah. And so I think if you switch it around in terms of talking about the power of being kind, often we don't realise, you know, when we do something kind, it might not be that much of a big deal for us yeah, they'll, they'll just joke about that funny night that they ended up sitting yeah, outside the hospital at four in the morning yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
it, you know. And um, uh, and so I think if you if you turn it around in terms of trying to do acts of kindness, you know, it was a really good lesson for me in that, yeah, you know, just wanting to do be like that for other people because that had just meant so much to me. So yeah, that that's that's one that will stay with me forever, really. And it is so funny that, you know, without knowing any of that, that's the story that and I'm, you know, I'm bursting into tears yeah. again now because I remember crying when I was reading yeah, it in your book really, when you recounted yeah. it. It was just yeah. so beautifully written and that sense of being held yes is what you described i just yes. felt held um that's the perfect way to I... put it. exactly how you know i felt like i was falling you know and then suddenly it was like yeah. we're here we yeah. have chocolate they had chocolate <laughs> <laughs> which is always a good recipe <laughs> yeah and just to be able to say even in the darkest moments that that someone saw you there and and, yes. and reached out is is huge yeah yeah so uh, you know and like i said it was a long drive and it was about a i would say 40 minute drive and the woman with the car i had never met before yeah, <laughs> yeah. and this is friday night as well. i'm sure there were many things she would have rather been doing on her friday night you know but um yeah, and it kind of seals a friendship, doesn't it? It just means yes. that there's always this connection that goes yeah, with absolutely. throughout life. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, sure. So, oh, yeah. I'm so glad actually that that story is the one that came out because yeah. yeah, it's one that and anyone can now go and read it in the yeah, in uh, yeah, more. and also it, it's a good example of how you know I think um, being kind. There are so many ways we can be kind and we can make a positive difference, and mm -hmm. I think just just thinking oh yeah you know how can i be there for that person you know and, and just giving a lift or, or doing something like that which like i said might not be that big of a deal to you you know doing it and it but, takes you out of yourself often what yeah. happens then is that gratitude reflects back to you because i mean i'm sure you were like yeah. so grateful oh god and yeah. that's when your heart opens that's when you're sort yeah. of like oh it, i didn't it can even feel like a small gesture i didn't really yeah. do anything i didn't you know but if you yeah. had a bit of a low point yourself or you just need to be taken away from your your own problems that just oh, lifts it yeah. and it just goes away i i really i remember when i first heard that i can't remember where but you know that i first heard that notion of if you want to you know if you're feeling depressed the best and quickest way out of it is go and help someone else you know yeah. and yeah and it's like flicking a switch you know and, and it's so simple and and there are so many ways we can do it you know you could just go out now you know down to the street and hold a door open for someone or yeah. you know just anything like that it just and then they smile at you and then that makes you feel warm inside you know and it's just those lovely little um you know uh well they are they're little but they're powerful you know yeah um, and if you just they, they cause ripples i think that's what i love about it it just sends ripples out into sort of your your community your your area yeah um, yeah yeah that yeah. just comes back yeah huge and yeah. i know i mean i know from the book i know you've had some faced some big challenges in your life but what would you say is the story that sort of because i what i what i love about this whole asking people to share stories is what comes up allows you to be a little bit creative around mm. you know what i wanted what what i want to share yes so yeah what, what's the challenge that came up for you so the the challenge for me which is one that i love sharing again because i hope it's inspiring is that after i got my first book deal i lost my first book deal so oh, i had no. oh I had no. yeah so i had the first non-fiction published and then then i signed with hodder for three novels 
And the third novel um, didn't sell well at all, you know. And and so, to be fair to myself, they didn't market it either. But yeah. <laughs> you know, anyway, I I was I was sort of dropped, and it's kind of like you know. And at that point, my marriage had broken up. I was a newly single mum of a young son. Uh, and overnight, I'd lost my sole source of income. And it wasn't just that, though. I think I'd, because in my mind, prior to getting the book deal, I'd labelled myself as a university dropout, a bit of a failure. Yeah. So you carry when that narrative to... with you and all the baggage yeah. that goes with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, then I get the book deal. I'm like, I'm no longer a failure. I am an author. <laughs> and I, mean, I didn't get arrogant or anything, but it really did bolster myself. Yeah. And it kind of changed my definition of myself. Now I'm dropped. I'm no can no longer say I'm an author. I'm a failed author. And then all the old voice of doom, you know, like back from my uni days, told you so, told you you didn't have what it took, you know, told you from the right, you know, all of that crap, you know. And uh, I can remember the day I came back, I had a meeting with my publisher and, you know, they made it clear it was all kind of over. And I remember coming home and um, baking a cake because that's my go-to kind of company. <laughs> If it but, does, I was, yeah. <laughs> but I was so distraught I forgot the cake was baking and it burnt and I remember I was just sitting on the floor crying you know and you just sink to the yeah. floor and you're like oh because I you know on a practical level I was like shit you know how am I going to keep a roof over our heads you know I'm the sole breadwinner I've got to take care of my son now on my own um and so there was all that on a practical side and then on a personal side it was kind of like you know, just that shatter, shattering of my confidence. I'm back to being a failure again, you know? So it was a very low moment. And then to top it all, the bloody cake burnt. So. <laughs> and that's almost, we need that in our life. We need we need to do something that goes really badly wrong. Yes. It's just the, the final straw. I'm just, <laughs> it was all fine until this happened. Then the cake burnt, was like hysteria. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the good thing about, you know, being a single mum was I couldn't afford to sit around crying for very long. I had to get yeah. practice you know and so I thought okay well I have had four books published that must count for something so so long story short that led to me then becoming an editor and a writing coach and running writing workshops because I thought I love words I love books so much I don't want to leave that world but I genuinely thought I'd never be a published author again because I was you know going to be seen as a failure but I thought well I can do all of this other stuff and that was a really happy accident because I, I started running uh, workshops for my local London council. They, 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 uh, I approached them saying, have you got any work for an author? <laughs> and yeah. uh, so they asked me to run a weekly writing workshop in a library in the evening for adults. And um, I can remember being terrified, you know, and all the, you know, the usual, the fear thing, who are you to teach? You lost your book deal, blah, blah, blah. But I, I did it anyway. And it was the, oh, I, you know, I'm just so grateful because I realized when I overcame my fear, I realized, God, I love teaching this. You know, I love running workshops. I love getting a group of people together. I, I, and I think because I feel so passionately about bringing people up, that just, it's just something I love to do, you know, and, and so the group inside you, which was yeah. not being honored at that, you know, yeah. when you were just sitting yeah. down writing in a way. Exactly. Yeah. And the group just grew and grew. I think the first night only two people showed up and then at its peak, there was about 30 something people in this. Oh huge... my goodness. And all walks of life, you know, all kind of backgrounds. And it was wonderful because you had very well-spoken, well-educated people who'd been published before. And then you had, you know, you had uh, pensioners, 
students, like a mix of yeah. class, race. All everything. of who have got this little sort of yeah. aspiration of I yeah, yeah, I can I can put pen to paper, I can I, I can make I, this work. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, just, and I ran uh, I ended up running and they then they asked me to do two groups and so I was doing these two weekly groups for six years and we we did all these projects off the back of it. It was just the most incredible creative experience and it really helped me hone my skills teaching writing, you know, like because again yeah. I kind of taught myself how to teach and um but obviously yeah, you reflect on what works and and, yeah. and yeah I yeah. mean that is one of the greatest ways if to 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 test your own understanding of something. Can I yeah. test it? You know? Yeah. Exactly. And, and then you quickly learn where your, your weak spots are, you know, and then yeah. you can rectify that. So, so that was just some of the happiest years of my life and the most wonderful friends. And, and then I've moved around quite a bit, you know, so this is what I, you know, when I moved to new areas now, like when I moved down to Sussex, one of the first things I did was start a writing group because it's just such a good way for me to make friends with like-minded people. Yes. Uh, so, so it's just been, you know, but none of that would have happened if I hadn't had this so-called failure of being Door dropped. Shut. Yeah. And, and you know, what, what resonates for me, I'm just going to say one thing is that yeah. often it's hard in life for us to shut doors ourselves. You know, if something's going quite well, yes. to walk away from it is even harder than, than yeah. I mean, at the time, having those like moments of you've failed, you're doomed. Yeah. You, you've yeah. lost this contract, you're, you're out of here, yeah. is brutal, yes. but it does force those other doors open, yes. you know, there's opportunities yes. that never necessarily have arisen otherwise. That's a really good point, actually, isn't it? Because we can get so comfortable in our little comfort zone, you know, and yeah. it takes a so-called, you know, massive failure to, to kickstart something even better. And then, um, and one of the things I was doing, so, you know, I was doing all these different things, but all related to writing. And one of them was going into high schools and teaching creative writing workshops to teenagers. And that made me remember how much books had meant to me as a teen, you know, and I thought, oh, it'd be great to write a novel for teenagers, you know, about some of the issues they face, but kind of fictionalizing it, you know, and, and, and then because, you know, I just thought, well, um, you know, no one, no publisher is going to touch me now because I, you know, I was still convinced I was a failure. Um, I decided to self-publish it. And, um, and then long story short, you know, it got really good, you know, and, oh yeah, this is another thing about redefining success. I self, decided to self-publish it and give away the ebook free because the whole point was to try and help teens. So yeah. it wasn't the money making thing. It wasn't about numbers, you know. So this is where I'd started to shift in my perception of success. Back to thinking about this audience and what do they yeah. need to hear and what do they yeah. need to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a paperback version that, that obviously, you know, people had to buy because I couldn't afford to give that away for free. But the ebook was completely free. And then I sent it out to reviewers. And to my surprise and delight, it was getting really good reviews. And then people started talking about it. Teenagers were talking about it online. And so, um, sorry, just to clarify, this is Dear Dylan or? Dear Dylan, yes. Dear Dylan, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then um, and that that kind of boosted my confidence. And then one day I was working as an editor a few days a week up in London. And one day we got the trade magazine for the bookseller, which all the publishing industry get. And there was an article in there from this competition called the Young Minds Book Award. And they were asking publishers to submit novels for this award for teenagers. And so I thought, 
well, I could do that. And then I've got straight away the negative voice like, no, you can't because it's self-published. And yeah, you're not you're, a publisher. <laughs> you're a failure. Uh, <laughs> and then, but because I've been getting good reviews, that kind of bolstered my confidence enough. And I think in the end, and this is another thing I think people should ask themselves, you know, anyone listening to this who maybe is thinking of doing something but having that fear voice, just say to yourself, well, what have I got to lose? Because often trying something there isn't really that much you've got to lose and i realized all i've got to lose is literally the cost of sending them a book you know because that's what they're asking for they're asking you to send the book in so i paid for the postage and sent them a book and that was it and then um you know a few months or a month or so later i got a thank you email saying your book's now been submitted to the award i was like shit they must have not realized it was (laughs) self-published and then a couple of months later i get an email saying congratulations it's on the long list in the it's into the 10 final books and then i looked at all the other books and they're all published by big publishing houses like well-known names and then one of the all self-published books there and i remember i was at work and i got the email going into ladies toilets and having a little celebratory dance because that was as good as winning to me you know getting yes yeah absolutely But then a couple of months later, I got an email saying, congratulations, you're now in the shortlist. So I was in the final five and I was invited to this swanky awards ceremony up in London at the theatre. And, um, uh, you know, again, back to the toilet, I go have a little (laughs) celebratory. And, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm not being falsely humble at all here when I say this, but I genuinely did not think for one single second that my book would win, you know, but I was like, right, I'm going to go to this award ceremony. I'm, going to I'm already it. a winner. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even bring anyone with me because, you know, you had oh. two tickets. There's one for you, one for your publisher, but I was my publisher. So I went on my own. <laughs> and, um, and then, yeah, then the end of the night, you know, they announced the winner and my name gets called. And I can remember going up on stage and receiving the gifts and everything and the award and this beautiful like glass award and and just all, you know, just having this flashback to that moment on my kitchen floor, you know, when I burnt the cake, kind of thinking, oh, I'll never write again. And, you know, you know, and then suddenly here I am a few years later and um, and all this good stuff has happened in the meantime as well. And then the next day it was like everything changed because it was quite, a, you know, it was a big story in the publishing world because it was like a self-published book winning a national yeah. book and then it was hilarious because then I had all these agents coming out of the woodwork you know like no one wanted to touch me before it's like hello would you like me to represent you <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be eating some humble pie <laughs> and, um, and and then it went to auction and eight different publishing houses bid for it you know and, and that was back in 2010 and yeah now 11 years later and I haven't looked back since you know and and, uh, and what's wonderful is in this last year it was always my dream to end up writing fiction for adults again and finally this year that has come true so I think that's another thing that I like to share with people sometimes you know it's a long slog and I I remember writing a a post once called the the something of the long distance dreamer you know because it's kind of like long distance running it's kind of you have to work you know so if you think about it it's taken me a very long time to get back to writing for adults again um but I have you know and and um and I've had many great experiences along the way so I think it's it's good because I think again we're going back to what you're saying about the culture we live in now is this instant gratification thing people want to get famous instantly they want you know and and there's a lot I I don't know it just feels so damn good when when something you've been working towards for years 
finally happens and I think then you're so it's reinforced inside you no one can take that away from you now a brilliant writer you know no matter which publisher comes along and says this that or the other you have worked and proved and established that inside yourself you know there's no there's no taking away from you that's what that that you know the opposite of instant gratification is all about it's about saying this is this is hard hard fought and but what I love about that story is it was actually your greatest challenge that moment of you know sitting on the floor you know when you're in your deepest challenge because you're sitting on the floor in the tears and the cake burnt yeah and out of that really is what what came the biggest success in your life you know the thing you're most proud of you know to this day because obviously that was back in 2010 and then I got you know traditional book deals again but from that moment onwards I never cared about genuinely never cared about how many books I was selling it was kind of like just keep it all about the joy of the writing process and the connection so when a reader emails me like I will always reply to them you know because that's that's the bit for me and and funnily enough last week or two weeks ago my novel An American in Paris became a US bestseller right so that's the first time that's ever happened to me in 20 years of writing um obviously a long held you know like I remember back in the day you know I sort of thinking oh that would be amazing to be a bestseller in America because yeah. I have a family in America and everything you know so it's like personal to me and um and I, I just I had this funny moment because it was a very exciting night because we were watching it go up the charts on Amazon and you know and it was kind of like oh god no it's in the top 10 you know and I remember thinking this is really funny and again a lesson because I had to give up wanting that for that to mm-hmm. happen if that makes sense you know and, and um I've heard go. yeah and I've heard so many people say that to do with whatever their dream is you know it was only when they let go truly let go as well no, not yeah. just, I let you go, say right? really hard yeah. to do <laughs> Yeah, you have to genuinely, you know, yeah. and I think that was another gift in that that huge setback I had that, you know, that destroyed any ego I had, you know, like that that whole experience, you know, and, and after that, it was never really about, you know, kind of numbers and, and so, and and that's the thing, and that there's such a freedom that comes with that, so if you can get to that point of, of you know, genuinely not, you know. It's like, it happens, it happens, if it doesn't, it's not yeah. that bad, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, me and yeah. so that brings me one last question because I mean I think we're going to have to spit this this is my first interview that I've gone way over with time oh, so <laughs> interested but no um I was really interested in how much of yourself you bring into like an American in Paris mm-hmm. you know ha- that there are certain things it's that that I guess all authors bring a little bit of themselves but how much of you because when you said you had family in America and yeah. how Sage goes over to America. Yes. Do you do that consciously or do you have to try and sort of te- try and take that out of your consciousness? How does that work? I think it can be really nice. So, so in, in, in that story, it was lovely bringing Arkansas in because uh, I got married in Arkansas and, you know, I have family there. Oh, my goodness. And I just love the landscape there. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's, such, it's such a beautiful place. And so when I was plotting out the novel and I wanted this place for Sage to come to, to kind of heal, you know, and to, to yeah. come from that social media world and come into this world of vast nature you know and forests and mountains and and um 
so that felt lovely. So that was a deliberate thing, bringing Arkansas into that book. That was definitely for personal reasons. And then with characters, sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it it, it kind of helps to draw upon your own experiences, you know. And obviously when you're writing something historical, I have no personal experience of obviously being an undercover operative for the French resistance. <laughs> no, no, no. But you do a lot of research for that yes, as well. Yes. But, you know, I think the thing is, you know, when when Florence, the, that character, you know, when she is in moments of peril or moments of fear over Otto's safety, you know, her her, her lover's safety. Well, I have had moments like that. You know, I've had yeah. moments of abject fear, you know, so, uh, you know, so it's kind of like you can still weave your experiences in, but in a yeah. very sort of undercover way, you know, and, and through completely fictional characters. And yeah, I think that's what okay. gives the book authenticity, really, you know, because then the description feels real because actually I'm drawing upon, you know, my own real experience. So, so hopefully that works. Anyway. That's definitely, as I say, that's your gift, that sort of relatability. It's you, you do that really well, how to encapsulate those feelings, that moment you, you, yeah, it is a lived experience. So yeah, it's really interesting that it might not be the exact experience as you say, you've put it into a fictional yeah. character in a different time setting, but it's still the same emotions that you're describing, yeah. which is, yes. is really yeah. powerful, yeah. really powerful. Yeah. So I know, I know music just from, from something more and dancing is, has mm. been something that has just helped to really find those things that light you up and find those, those moments of joy. So when, when I asked you for a, a piece of music that means something to you, what comes up? Oh gosh, that was such a challenge because there's so many, you know, yeah. I, like, I love music, but funnily enough, uh, it was a bit of a wild card. You know, the one ultimately that I went for um, is a, a song called Do You Realise by a band called The Flaming Lips. And I first heard this song years ago and I can remember vividly where I was. I was redecorating the hall where I lived at the time. And I remember this song came on the radio and it was the lyric. Well, it's, I think it's a lovely, you know, musically anyway, but it was the lyrics that really got me. And, and so I've written them down actually so I can read them for you. But it, it was this one line. It said, do you realise that everyone you know someday will die? And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I've paid some like, that's a bit grim. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, but it's grim. Yes. But then it goes on to say, and instead of saying all of your goodbyes, let them know you realize that life goes fast. It's hard to make the good things last. You realize the sun doesn't go down. It's just an illusion caused by the world spinning round. And so I was kind of like, wow, that's pretty profound, you know, for a yeah. song. You know, and, and because it just as I was painting, I was kind of like thinking on that. And I was thinking, yeah, actually, although initially it sounds a bit grim, oh, everyone who knows in the die, <laughs> you know, but actually it's a bit like, Morrissey. Yeah, but for me anyway, and because the song is quite upbeat, like the melody and everything, it's not a dreary, sad song. It's it's upbeat and you know, um, for me it just it kind of made me think, yes, you know, actually this is a positive thing, like not you know, yeah. but, but make the most of life you know and actually that line about you realize the sun doesn't go down it's just an illusion and i like that because that to me means people don't really die like they live on and in you know in your heart and your memory and you know and so i don't know i thought that was the one i decided to share just simply because i feel like whenever i'm feeling a bit down i will play that song so I wanted to share it with your listeners, really, because it's just a great song to play. You know, if you are having a bit of a down moment, just a kind of 
or you just want a bit of inspiration and, and you want to be, you know, maybe you've been sucked into trivial stuff and you just want a reminder of, come on, you know, like we only get one shot at this, you know, and if you are having petty squabbles with people, is it really worth it? You know, because one day, we, you know, we are all going to die, but actually don't be depressed about that but just kind of make the most of of your life and like I said it is upbeat so when you listen to it it does have quite you know it has the positive yeah what a great addition to the list I, I have to confess to an epic fail on my part I I made a playlist on Spotify to go with this, oh. this uh, podcast so people can hear you know go and listen yeah. to music and I realized the other day that it's the only playlist on my list that is actually private so oh, no, no because, uh, so I've been going go to the playlist you can do <laughs> and the only people who could were my friends and family <laughs> so, so, but yeah I've now made it public and okay, uh, and it's cool. not a song I know but I will definitely definitely I mean that's what I love about all of this is that each piece of music really does have resonance for each of those yeah. people so now when i listen to that playlist it brings yeah. up a person as well as oh, the, the, the moment so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Really so it's very powerful yeah. but but yeah that's that's such a you know it's about i think that's something we're in at the moment is that realization of the fragility of life the, yeah. the fact that we really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow yeah. even if yeah. we think we do and, yes. Yeah, a song like that can really help you to yeah. re-engage with what, what matters, you know, yes, what matters right exactly. now. Don't put yes. it off. Yeah, so like we were talking about earlier, you know, the, the inner voice of doom or whatever, you know, it's kind of like, it just snaps you out of that. It's yeah. like, yeah. you realise one day we're all going to die, you know, so what would you rather do? Would you rather have fun or would you rather sit there thinking, oh, I'm such a failure? Or, you know, I don't exactly. know, for me anyway, it really snaps me out of any kind of like negative thinking and um, and just makes me think on a more deeper level about life. And I should also say that, you know, we only established that you were trained as a life coach. So that all comes through so much mm. in everything you've been saying. And, you know, that, mm. that really, that that whole sense of, life is there for living and you really yes. embrace it is yeah is absolutely absolutely yeah definitely. so you have you have shared so much wisdom so much wisdom through your books actually you know one of the first places i would go to say how do i share siobhan's wisdom is to mm. to go and read your books but what what would you say is the sort of piece of wisdom that you carry with you that you'd like to share with the world so this one it was also featured in something more it was when my son was really ill and my dad sent me um a letter and in it there was a postcard and on the card was this quote this too is for the best and i can remember when i read that you know bearing in mind i was going through a very stressful time i was like what <laughs> you know how can this be for the best well, yeah, i'm getting quite angry Say, like my dad is a very wise you know my dad features a lot in something more and he's very loving and the letter was all full of support but there was just this card with this yeah. quote on it from someone called i'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it i think it's nahum n-a-c-h-u-m who was a jewish sage in the first century and apparently he he was like the eternal optimist apparently he'd just go around everywhere and this is kind of like his catchphrase this too is for the best and um 
And, uh, you know, so initially I found it very irritating because, <laughs> you know, and I couldn't understand it. I was kind of like, well, how is it for the best? And my son's seriously in a hospital. Like how? But I think I think the idea is uh, and Tony Robbins, who probably mo- a lot of your listeners will be familiar with. He he's kind of got a slightly, you know, a kind of modern take on this, really, I think, because he, he I've heard him say that you should say this is happening for me, not to me. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's really reframing. My... Yeah, reframing difficult times. And so um I you know, I still struggle when it comes to the health of a loved one or you know, mm-hmm. someone dying, for example. How is this too for the better? You know, it just kind of feels a bit mm, not sure. But say for something like, you know, um my my failure in, in my, you know, when I got dropped by the publisher. Now, if someone had yeah. said to me at that point, if this Nahum bloke popped up. <laughs> right when the cake came out of the oven <laughs> um, but now with the benefit of hindsight you know I can see yes it really was for the best yeah. and uh and you know as Tony Robbins says you know like when if in if when you're in the moment if you can you know if you are going through a tough time and you can just stop and think well how could this also be happening for the good you know like how and you know, and, and almost kind of do a little time travel kind of game, if you like. So, okay, right now it really does not feel like a good thing, but possibly with hindsight, how could this, you know, in five years' time, and I'm looking back on this. So, for example, if you've just gone through a you know breakup in your in your personal life, and you're in that awful moment of loss and heartbreak and everything, you could say to yourself, well, yeah, okay, right now it feels awful, but what if in five years' time I've met my true soulmate and we're just having a wonderful time, and you know, and we, you know, then this is for the best because if yeah. I hadn't woken up with this person, I would never have been able to meet my you know this yeah and I think nothing takes away from the healing that you need to do when something terrible happens but that is maybe something that helps you move into that healing process you know to say yeah right I now need to start mending it and yeah I think it gives you a little glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel like with the relationship example I suppose it's yes you have to mourn the loss you have to do go through the grieving process and fully process what's happened but if you've got this tiny little pinprick of light then maybe in two years time I'll be with someone wonderful um and I'll be (laughs) you might be able to start this actually happened to me you know that that, you know I had this experience you know I had a breakup it was awful it was so painful um but now the person I'm with now I wouldn't be with him if it hadn't been for that breakup and I'm so happy now you know and that's the thing and so I think you know it's just kind of um it just gives you a glimmer of hope that it can be intensely annoying (laughs) and I wonder if this Nahum guy you know when he was going around so yeah. imagine he'd get punched uh, ever but but yeah I think you know that's something that, that I have come back to and that definitely helps me definitely and put part of that process of picking yourself up which is essential yeah. if you're gonna move forward absolutely. yeah absolutely oh golden wisdom I knew I knew it would be rich so that's, oh, that's perfect <laughs> so we'll just wrap up with whether you have any uh acts of simple kindness to ask of my audience um that's I think, how we finish yeah, I, I I think just this week uh when is this podcast going out actually this is so coming. it will be around the end of May beginning of June depending on okay. 
Right. Okay. Because uh, yeah. All right. I'm going to revise what I was going to because I was going to say something about it because you know obviously India's in the news at the moment with the COVID crisis over there. Yeah. 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 Um, but hopefully by then things will be better. I think then what going back to what I said about you know the simple act of kindness that impacted me. You know, my friend just being there. I would say to your listeners to you know to just think of someone in your life. Is there anyone you know in your life who's maybe going through a tough time or whatever that you could in some way, just through a simple act of kindness, let them know that you're there, not in an obtrusive way, but kind of like, you know, so it could be something lovely, like just, I don't know, order them something randomly from Amazon, you know, like just a little gift or, or, you know, maybe there's a book or, or, or a collection of poems or something that you feel like, Oh, this person would really, um, really love, or you know, yeah. send them a little, you know, a surprise gift, or, or like I said, if if it's someone who is actually really struggling with something, yeah, just something like my friend did for me that night, you know, just kind of saying, hey, I'm here for for you, I'm thinking of you, and yeah, that would be so nice to feel like that's rippled out through your audience paying it forward beautiful beautiful I love that and especially at the moment where there are so many people going through I love what you were saying about you know we're all going through the same problem maybe just in different boats it's it's, uh, you know we're all navigating the same thing there's absolutely yeah it's yeah it's not easy at the moment so beautiful beautiful. thanks for that and and where can finally just where can people find you because they do find you (laughs) Find me at my unpronounceable name.com. So it's siobhancurrum.com. Um, right. Well, all of that will be in the show notes. Yes. And, and on Instagram is probably my favorite social media platform. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you can find me on Instagram and, and on my website. Yeah. Fabulous. Fabulous. That is amazing. So I recommend anyone who wants to. I have only had a tiny experience of Siobhan's writing coaching but I'm definitely going to dig in for more. And yeah, just any of the books really wholeheartedly recommend. They are, they're just fabulous, fabulous. Like a walk with a friend, as I say, it's just brilliant. So thank you so, so much for being with me today, Siobhan, and for so so generously sharing such beautiful stories, full of wisdom, just incredible. I, um, I'm so indebted to you. And yeah, I can't wait to hear what's what's going to come next. Thank you. Thanks so much. And um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I think this is a brilliant, brilliant podcast. So thank you very much for inviting me to be part of it. You're very welcome. Bye now. Wow. Yeah, I just loved that conversation. And especially there was something around defining success and success for Siobhan is now not about the number of books she sells, but about the joy she finds in the connections that her art makes possible for her. Really powerful. And that, I guess, resonated because that's what this podcast is all about. But my favourite story is the one about Dear Dylan, which she wrote just to help teenagers who might be feeling like misfits, because that was something that she really could empathise with and gave away for free. And yet it ended up being the prize-winning story that actually restored her own faith in her writing amazing. So before we go, and I know this has been a very long episode, I just wanted to give a little shout out to our friends, Troy and Paula, who are currently locked away in a hotel room for two weeks, two weeks, 
solitary confinement, but not solitary in a single hotel room while they're waiting in quarantine in Australia. And I know that they're going to have some magical moments when they get to reunite with their three kids who they've been apart from for many, many months. Thinking of you, Troy and Paula, and with so much gratitude for looking after Josh when he was in Singapore and hope that the two weeks flies by for you. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.